All right. Hey, welcome, everybody. Uh, so glad that you're here in person. You're watching, listening online. And I want you to turn to someone next to you and just wish them happy Valentine's Day. If you're at home, you can do it at home, too. If you're by yourself, you can tell that to your pet or to yourself. It's like, happy Valentine's to me, right? Um, that's awesome. Hey, wouldn't it, wasn't it cool to be able to just kind of, I don't know how other way to put it, but really just sing some really cool worship love songs together as we worship together, just being reminded of the love that, that God has for us and he has showered it upon us. But not only that, even to declare our love to him and it pales in comparison to the love that he has shown us. Uh, we are finishing up our Renovate series. I'm super excited about it. Um, we had sort of been researching it a little bit, deciding how long we're going to do this series. Thought it might be five, maybe six at the most, but it's going to be four because today the, the principle that I want to teach you just really feels like it completes the series really well. What I want to share with you together this morning is what I would like to call the all-in moment. The all-in moment. It's the, the point of no return. It's that moment where, okay, I'm in this, this is happening, and there is no turning back. And throughout this series, we've been kind of drawing a, a parallel between the change that God wants to make in our lives, uh, spiritually, emotionally, maybe even physically, but the, all the things He wants to do differently in us and through us. We've drawn a parallel between that and, and literally the, the principles of a home renovation, if you will. And when I think about a home renovation, I am such a procrastinator because I want to be sure that when I start something that I have everything I need, that I have the time to do it and complete it. And so I will think through, okay, here's the tools. Okay, I'll even set the tools in the room. I've even been known to, when we're painting a room, like, okay, we have the paint. We got the paint. That's cool. And then we'll kind of park there for a while. <laughs> and then maybe eventually we'll pull all the things off the wall so that we can paint it. And we might park there for a while, too. And, and I think it's that once you start, I mean, you've got to go. You've got to keep going. And I would argue with you today that maybe that's the reason why you've not experienced all the change that God has in store for you, all the newness, all the new things that God has in store for you. You might be putting off your all-in moment. So here's what an all-in moment would look like if you're renovating your home. This is the no turning back moment here on the screen. I'll put a picture up. If you've been wanting to renovate your house, all you got to do is just pick up a hammer Hit it against the wall and say, okay, we're doing this now. This is happening. You, there's no turning back at this point. I mean, I guess you could leave the wall like this, but who wants to, right? Uh, so this is an all-in moment. Now, at the beginning of the calendar year, I was thinking, you know, new year, new me. I wanted to do something new. Uh, so I had my all-in moment, too, uh, so I did that. And I thought, you know, now that I've done this, uh, it's either, you know, keep it like that and try to set a new trend or shave the whole thing off. So I shaved the whole thing off. Uh, but it's that radical thing. The all-in moment is that radical thing that you do that says, I'm in this and we are not turning back. I believe this is a moment that is missing in too many people's lives. I want to sh uh, share with you a passage in Luke chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 57 through 62. And it's basically a conversation that Jesus Christ himself had with a few people. And he talks about, and they were talking about following him. And I want to make a differentiation here. So many times I believe that 
the word Christian and the word Christianity has kind of lost its meaning. It, it, people throw that word around a lot. We're going to really lean into, instead of using the word Christian, we're going to use the words, uh, the hyphenated word Christ follower, because I think that makes it really clear. If you're a Christ follower, that is someone who is following Jesus Christ. You are a follower of Jesus. You follow him. That's clear. That's plain. That's easy to understand. But the Christian can be uh, sort of, I don't know, defined in many ways. In some ways, I don't think it's accurate. <laughs> so Luke 9, 57 through 62, Jesus has this conversation with a few people about what it meant, what it means to actually follow him. Here's what it says. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, throughout my years of, of attending church, I've heard several sermons on this passage. And a lot of my colleagues will elaborate on these different excuses, if you will, that these people gave Jesus for not following him immediately. Now, when I first read this, I don't know about you, but I, my empathy goes way up. I'm like, wow, these sound like important things. Like, you know, I could see if I'm trying to get someone to do something important, but they say, can I go, you know, have a funeral? Well, yeah, go do the funeral. Or, oh, I need to go say goodbye to my family. Okay, yeah, go do that. It feels almost a little harsh at first. Now, a lot of the sermons I've heard on this passage will sort of dive deep into the ancient Near East culture and how a burial of a father would sometimes take the better part of a year for some situations and some cultures and some circumstances. How saying goodbye to your family could be weeks or even months. That was kind of an elongated uh, rite of passage, if you will. And so a lot of my colleagues have said, you know, these sound like decent excuses that would only take a little bit in our culture. But in that culture, they were asking for months. They were asking for a year before beginning to follow Jesus. But I, I, I kind of circle back around to the last thing Jesus said here. And I'm not so sure those things are necessarily the point. I think what he said last is the point. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for, the ser fit for service in the kingdom of God. I don't think he's trying to necessarily get onto these guys and say those are lame excuses as much as he's trying to help them to understand the nature of what it means to follow Jesus. Here's how I would say it to you today. Following Jesus is not something you sprinkle onto your life. It is your life. That's the difference. That's the game changer when it comes to what it means to experience all the things that God has for you, all the change he wants to do in your life, all the things he wants to do to shape you and mold you. We've been talking all series long about Ephesians 2.10, how you are his created workmanship, masterpiece, if you will, that he has already known before you were born all the things he wants to do in your life and accomplish in your life. If you want to experience that, however, you have to crush your dreams and instead embrace and pursue his dream, his vision for your life. That is a big deal. 
And I believe Christianity, that word and what it stands for and what it has become over the decades, really does matter to just something we sprinkle onto our life. I'm going to live my life, but I'm going to sprinkle in some Christianity, acknowledge that there is a God who exists, and that maybe that's somewhat a priority in my life. Friends, that's not what Jesus was inviting people into at all. Because all that's going to end up is you continuing to go down the path that you've created for your life, that you desire for your life, and you can completely miss all that he has for you. So that's why following Jesus isn't something you just sprinkle on your lives. The nature of following Jesus is if we just sprinkle it on our lives, it's like getting behind a plow to plow up the ground to prepare to, to plant the crops while you look backwards. I'm doing this, but this is what I really want to do. It's not going to work. It's not going to be effective. You're going to mess up. It's going to be uh, fighting against each other. And that's what he says is like, as long as you're going to try to do life the way you want to do it, then you can't follow me. When these people said to Jesus, but first I must, but first I want to, but first I need to, it was them hesitating on their all-in moment. And they can miss your moment if you do that. I wonder how many people have missed those big, awesome, all-in moments that God designed for them to have a divine appointment where we're like, this is the moment. This is your all-in moment. This is where you pick up the hammer and you hit it against the wall and you say, I'm all-in. We're doing this. But what's awesome is that by the grace of God, I do believe he gives us many of those opportunities. I know by the time I had my first big all-in moment with Christ, I realized, oh, I've had these moments before. I'm finally saying yes to it. Now, I want to share with you about a guy who had his all-in moment. Uh, One of the disciples of Jesus who followed him was a man named Philip. And in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 8, by this time, Jesus had already risen from the grave, ascended back into heaven, and these disciples of Jesus were going around and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Lives were being changed. It's pretty incredible stuff was happening. Well, as Philip is going along, he encounters a man from Ethiopia sitting in a carriage, reading scripture, reading specifically from the book of Isaiah. It's kind of a big deal because it was hard to find parts of Scripture back in those days, and somehow this Ethiopian guy had a copy of it. Now, it turns out he was a ranking official in the queen's court of Ethiopia, so maybe that had something to do with it. But he's sitting in the carriage, and he's reading, and he comes along. Philip comes along and encounters this guy, and he ends up getting up in the carriage with him. And this is what happens in Acts 8.35. So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Now, I want to pause and chase this rabbit for a moment. Baptism is a beautiful all-in moment. It's something that's existed since the first century, since Jesus Christ himself was baptized. And what's beautiful about it is you're literally telling two stories when you're baptized. When someone goes down into the water and comes back up out of the water, it symbolizes a death, burial, and resurrection, which declares this is how I'm saved. This is how I've been forgiven and rescued from my sins because God himself put on human flesh and he went all in for me. 
He went all in for me and allowed himself to be killed on a cross so that I could be saved, so that I could be forgiven, so that I could have eternal life. But it also tells the person being baptized, it tells their story. Their all-in moment where they realized that Jesus was who he said he was and they wanted to follow him. And they were laying down their old life, allowing it to be dead and buried. And yet now they're receiving new life from Jesus Christ. We begin to live a resurrected life, but first we must crucify our old life. We must go all in. That's why baptism is such a beautiful all-in moment. In fact, Grove Kids over in the other building, they're learning about this all-in moment today themselves and learning what that means. Now, I want to tell you this, though. There is an all-in moment before baptism. I know this personally because that's how I experienced it. I was 15 years old uh, down at a Christian camp in southeastern Kentucky on a mountain in Knott County. And though I had heard all about Jesus, I had John 3.16 memorized. In that moment... I could feel the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart saying, I did all of this for you. Will you follow me? And the best way I knew how I prayed and asked Jesus to save me and come into my life and surrendered my old life to him, I repented and I became a follower of Jesus. Now, I wasn't sure what any of that meant, (laughs) but I knew I wanted it and I was ready to pursue it with my life. And my life changed from that day forward. June 17th, 1988. Now, it wasn't until over a year later that I even knew what baptism was. And then some guy down in Harlan County came to my church, preached about baptism. I'm like, I want to do that. That sounds awesome. Baptism is a public outward symbol of an inward already existing commitment. And so the all-in moment that happens before that is what matters most. Baptism is beautiful, and it declares your faith. And here's the interesting thing. Back in the first century, baptism was such a big deal. It's a big deal today, too, but I'm telling you it was a different kind of a big deal. Back in those days, to be baptized meant you might be ostracized by your family. And it definitely put a target on you for persecution because it was such a public display. If you were part of of a Judaistic family, you were leaving Judaism and proclaiming that Jesus really is the Messiah, that family may say, we're done with you then. You're no no kid of ours. You're no no family member of ours. You're out of here. And so it was a big deal. It was an all-in moment on steroids, if you will, in the first century. But I I would tell you today, it, it still is the case today. It's a big deal to say, you know what? I am done chasing my own dream for my life. I am willing to throw all that away. My life, as I know it right now, I will put it on the cross and say, now God, you do whatever you want me to do. I will go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. I will say whatever you want me to say. My life is yours. You are my life, Jesus Christ. That's what it means to follow Jesus, friends. That is a big deal. And that's why as we close this series together, I want to give you a one-word next step to give you. It is the most important thing you will ever do in your life. That's a big statement to make about this, right? And as it turns out, the very first sermon that Jesus preached when he began his public ministry was this one simple word. Repent. That's it. It's a bit of a churchy word, 
We don't use it every day. You don't hear it every day. But it literally is a word that means to turn around. Make a U-turn. You're going this way. You're stopping and you're turning around and you're going this way. I am no longer going in this direction. I'm now all in going in this direction. It's something that God can't do for you. He will give you your all-in moment that you can seize it if you want to and go for it, but he's not going to make you do this. He's not going to put the hammer in your hand and, and, and force you to sledge it into the wall and say, all right, I'm all in. I'm done with my life. I want to live Christ's life. I want to live the life that he has for me. That's up to you. And even then, it's a moment that you can feel deep within the core of your soul that God has brought you to that moment. And the question is, will you respond the way those people did in Luke 9 and say, but first I must? Or will you take that hammer to the wall of your life and say, I'm all in. I'm doing this. I surrender completely to you, O Lord. I want your dream for my life. I am done creating my own dream. I'm done pursuing my own dream. I surrender to you. I will follow you. Have you had a moment like that in your life? Now, I will say if you have, that's cool. And I did. I told you about me doing that when I was 15. I bought into this idea that that was just a one-time thing. And now that I've lived a lot longer, I realize that repentance is kind of a way of life. Because you know how it is, is I'll be following Jesus this way and things to be seem to be going good. And it's kind of like that one dog in that one movie, squirrel. And then you go this direction. And sometimes you don't realize you've, you've turned away till you've gotten a little bit away. And you realize, what am I doing? I've gone back to trying to create my own dream for my life. I need to come back to him and really follow him. Your journey with Christ is going to probably involve a lot of all-in moments. But today I ask you, have you had your first one yet? And then maybe you have, but maybe it's been a while since you've had one. And if you're being honest, you've kind of taken a hold of the steering wheel of your life. And Jesus is just something you've sprinkled in. It's time to go all in again. And maybe for you, you've not had that moment in your life where you've been baptized, declaring publicly to the world your faith in Him. That's a wonderful wedding ring moment with Christ. If you've never had that, you should do it. Because it is huge. It is a milestone that will catapult you into a new chapter in your life spiritually. So in a moment, we're going to have part of our worship team is going to come back up, and we're going to kind of go old school, if you will. We've not done this since before March 15th, a year ago. But we're going to sing a closing worship song together and give you a chance to respond and to have your all-in moment, either right where you are while you're worshiping. You can pray and talk to God. And if you take a next step with Him, we want to know about it so that we can encourage you and pray for you. You can text the words next step to 77411 like we've been doing for weeks now. But also, if God is just moving in a powerful way in your heart right now, we invite you to come and pray down front if you want while we're singing. You don't have to, but this is what we call kind of the altar area, if you will, a place where you can kind of dump your stuff before God and just have a moment with Him privately if you want. We invite you while we're singing this song to do that if you'd like. 
Or maybe you just need some help taking your next step. If that's you, I would be honored to talk with you and pray with you. I'll be down here in this area while we're singing this song if you would like to do that. Are you ready to go all in? At home, you're watching and listening. Are you ready to go all in? If that's you, you go all in with him and you text us next step to that number so that we can know you've done that. We want to encourage you. If you're watching this on Facebook, just write the words next step in the comment section and we'll get back in touch with you. We'll encourage you and pray for you. We want to help you along your new journey with Christ. Let's all stand together in this place. Just take a quick moment to pray before we continue to worship him now. Father, first we thank you for going all in for us on the cross. Lord, in this room, in these homes, on these screens, people watching, listening online, you know every single soul that is taking in this message today. You know the all-in moment you want them to have. They know it too. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, they will repent right now. They will lay their lives at your feet begin to follow you with all their hearts so that they can experience the renovation you have in store for them. Oh Lord, help us to do this now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.